Well, that scripture that Matthew just read, um, in that scripture, people encountered Jesus and Jesus rewrites their story. So this one person who was considered an outcast, an untouchable, a leper, comes to Jesus and his story is completely changed. For another, the, a centurion, he comes and he doesn't want his story changed as much as his beloved servant. And Jesus rewrites his story. So maybe there are some of us here today or tuning in online and um, you want your story rewritten or part of your story rewritten because it's not going like you had hoped or even maybe as you've been praying. Well, who has authority to change your story? As we see in our scripture, that one of the, the points of emphasis here is that Jesus, he has the authority to rewrite our stories. And we're returning to, uh, just to take a step back, we're returning to our series in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It, um, it's this guy named Matthew who was a tax collector, uh, middle class, but not very well liked because he was a tax collector. And he writes about the things that he sees Jesus do. He writes about the things he hears Jesus say. And one of the things that Matthew saw Jesus do was miracles. Because Jesus, he had been given the authority to heal, to rewrite the stories of people who were outcasts, people who were considered, uh, well, not a part of the kingdom. But Jesus, he breaks down those barriers and he invites them in. And in Matthew chapter 8, we read about, about three people. Uh, but these three people are just a representative sample of many people whose stories are changed, who li whose lives are changed through Jesus. Now, just to give you a con uh, context, because we, we've been out of the Gospel of Matthew for a couple months. So remember, right before Thanksgiving, we finished up the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew chapters 5 through 7. That is a sample of Jesus' teachings. And what Matthew often does is he'll alternate between uh, a, a large block of describing Jesus' teaching and then Jesus' activities. So we covered the Sermon on the Mount. Well, now he goes into this section about Jesus' um, activities. And in this case, how Jesus was working mighty miracles and changing people's lives. And in that first section, Matthew 8, 1 through 4, it says that when in verse 1, when he, that's when Jesus came down from the mountain. So that's, he was on the mount giving the sermon on the mount. So he comes down from the mountain after preaching, and all of these large crowds are following him. And then this person comes, verse 2, a leper comes to him, kneels down before him and says, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. You can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will. I, I, I desire that. It makes him clean. And immediately the leprosy is cleansed. And Jesus says to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. 
So again, Jesus, he's teaching the crowd, and he suddenly, as he's coming down the mountain, suddenly he's approached by this person with a skin disease. That's what leprosy is. It's a skin disease. He bows down before him. And this leper, he was an outcast. He was an outcast from his community because people, they didn't want to be near him for a couple reasons. One is they didn't want to catch his skin disease on this very basic level. But also, if you touched a leper, then you were ritually unclean. You could not go to the temple to worship. So people didn't want to touch him because then they couldn't go to the temple to worship. And certainly the leper could not go because anything he touched would be considered unclean. So this leper's life, his life story was not only one of physical suffering, but also social and emotional, spiritual, because he was an outcast. And in fact, if this leper, he shows great boldness because he's supposed to stay away from people. He's supposed to yell out, leper, leper, when he's around so people know to stay away from him. And here, Jesus, he's, a crowd is following him, and this leper runs up right through the, the crowd. Now, if people had uh, realized what was going on, they may have picked up stones to throw at him to keep him away. Because he's not supposed to be in a crowd. He's supposed to be outcast. But the thing about desperation is it will give you boldness if you think there's someone who can help you in your situation. And this person understood, this leper understood that he needed his story to be changed. He had spent years of his life suffering as an outcast, both physically, but then also socially and spiritually. He could not worship. He needed his story to change. And, and he had faith that if Jesus wanted to, he could change his story. Interesting. We, he assumes Jesus has some sort of power, some sort of authority over sickness. He trusts that. The only question for him is, all right, Jesus, if you will, if it's your desire, I know you have the authority to make me well. And indeed, Jesus, he says, oh, I am willing. And he heals him. See, Jesus has the authority to change our stories. But what's interesting here also is that he tells the man, hey, don't go proclaiming it everywhere. I want you to first go to the priests. Go and offer the offering that is necessary. So in the Old Testament scriptures, if you had leprosy, yeah, you had to stay away from the, the place of worship. But if you were free of that, if you were cleansed from your leprosy, then you needed to take a, um, an offering and offer that to God as a way of saying, thank you, God, for cleaning me of this leprosy. So Jesus says, no, first I want you to go and testify to the religious authorities. Because Jesus, he has authority from God. And yes, in his death and resurrection, he will overturn and he will fulfill many of the things of the law. But while he is on this earth, he says, no, I want you to show yourself to the religious authorities so that it'll be a testimony to them. 
that I can do this. It'll be a testimony to them that the Son of Man has authority on earth to heal. What we also see here is this man's story changing um, because now he, whereas before he couldn't approach God for worship, Jesus changes his story. Now he can approach God to worship. So it, it makes sense that Jesus says, all right, when God changes your story, the first thing you do is go and worship the God who changed your story. So go to the priests, give the offering as a testament to God has changed your story. The other thing we see about this particular miracle is that Jesus, he didn't need to touch this leper to heal him. We know that because of the next healing story, right? The, he didn't, Jesus, when he heals the paralyzed guy in the next story, he doesn't even go to the house. He doesn't even need to be present to heal somebody, but yet it says he touched this leper. But the leper, he's untouchable. You don't touch him. He's unclean. So why? Why would Jesus touch him? Probably a gasp went over the crowd. Because he's showing, I'm changing this man's story. No longer are you to think of this man as an untouchable, but a man touched by God. He changes his story. He's no longer that leper. He's that guy that Jesus touched and healed and changed his life. That's what God does. That's what Jesus can do. Change our story. He has that authority. And so maybe you're here today and, or you're watching online and, yeah, you, you need your story rewritten. Maybe it is a sickness. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a relational issue. But you really want God to change that, that part of your story. Jesus has authority to change your story just like he changed the story of this man, this leper. But let's continue because then the next miracle, and this is the one I really want to focus on, Jesus, he performs a miracle, but it's on another type of outcast. Verse 5, it says that when Jesus went into Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him. A centurion. So this is a soldier, a Roman soldier, a Roman commander of 100 people. Right? So he was in the military. So this is not a, a, a person who's a part of the, the community of God. He's not Jewish. He's a Roman. So he's an outcast, but he's not even an outcast. Many people would consider him, well, he's not just an outcast. He's an enemy. He's an enemy of our people. He's a part of the Romans who have been oppressing the, uh, Israel since they took over. So yeah, he's not just an outcast. He's, he's an enemy. But this centurion comes to Jesus. In verse 6, he says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. So here, this person, uh, the, the leper comes because he's desperate, um, for himself, whereas the centurion, he's desperate for his loved one. So his, his beloved servant is paralyzed and in pain. So he's coming to Jesus to, to change the story of someone he loves. 
And because he was close to him, it also changed, would change his story. So Jesus in verse 7 says, all right, I will come and heal him. Jesus responds. But the centurion, then he replies, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. So Jesus, he's pointing to this centurion, this outsider, this enemy of the people of God, and says, this guy gets it. He gets what the kingdom of God is about. So those who consider themselves insiders to the kingdom of God, they're not quite getting it. But this fella, he gets it. And then he, he says, this is the kind of faith that the kingdom is about. And then verse 11, he says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So now he's talking about, again, the uh, eternal restoration, the full and final uh, manifestation of God's kingdom. He says, all right, many are going to come from all over the place. The, the, God is opening up his kingdom to so many different kinds of people. But then he says, verse 12, while the sons of the kingdom... The insiders, they'll be thrown into outer darkness in the place that they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. So again, here we have this outsider who understands the kingdom of God. And, and what's going on here? Well, the centurion, he understands something of authority because he's in the military and in the military you know that all right uh he was he was a commander but he realized that didn't make him proud it made him humble because he realizes all right i'm in charge of a hundred people a hundred men and if i tell them go they go if i tell them to do this they do that that's what authority is and he says, and I have that kind of authority. And so he's assuming that when Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, and when Jesus says that he is the one who's ushering in that kingdom of God, the centurion says, oh, so this man, this Jesus, has authority from God. And therefore, he is way above my pay grade. He is so far above my pay grade that I'm not worthy for him to come into my, under my roof. But if he is who he says he is and he believes it, then he has a command authority. He can, with a word, speak and things will happen because he has authority from God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who gives life, the one who takes life. So for him, he has power and authority over the whole created order, including sickness. So he says to Jesus, you don't need to come under my roof. You have command authority. If you just say the word, it will be done. And that's why Jesus says, this guy gets it. He gets what the kingdom of God is about because the kingdom of God is the authority of God. Wherever God's authority is manifested and received, that's his kingdom breaking in. 
And Jesus is God's representative here. So God's kingdom, it's about recognizing that he is the authority of life. He has authority over life and death. He has authority not just in heaven, but on earth, because he's created both. And this, and there, here the centurion recognizes that. And in this, Jesus, he points to this centurion's faith, but then he uses it as a warning. He uses it as a warning to those who assume that we're insiders. And let's face it, here, we're, we're all church folks, so we tend to assume we're insiders. We tend to assume, all right, no, I'm in. We have no authority to make that assumption. Jesus has the authority to welcome people in his kingdom. Now, the good news is, he says all of those who are weary, all of those who want to be restored and to have a close relationship with God, no matter how far off you are, you are welcome into this kingdom. But he's the one who has the authority. And a part of entering the kingdom is recognizing Jesus has this authority to rewrite our stories because he's the author of the whole story. He's the author of the beginning. With a word, he speaks creation into being. And at the end, read the book of Revelation. Who has authority to write the final chapters of human history? It's Jesus. When you read in Revelation, that is what's going on. Jesus has the authority. He has the book of life. And so the question is, is our story written in that book of life? Because Jesus has that authority over that book. The centurion gets that. And I'm using this word authority quite a bit, and I'm doing it on purpose because this really runs counter to our culture. That there is a false gospel in our culture. And when I say false gospel, what I mean by that is what is going to save you? What saves humanity? What is humanity about? What are we striving for? And there's a false gospel that says, you know what the really goal of life is? It's for you to be totally self-autonomous, for you to be the master of your domain, for you to have authority over every part of your life. That's what the good life is, is when you're king or queen. That's a false gospel because it's, for one, it's not even, it's not true. It may be something you want to strive for, but you hit reality. We don't have control over hardly anything. We have authority. We don't even have authority over ourselves. I was reminded of this yesterday. So I get it in my head that I'm like, oh, I want to run the Holyoke Road Race, you know, the 10K. I, I did it like thir over 30 years ago with my dad. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm getting older now. So I better, you know, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do that this year. So yesterday I'm like, all right, go for a four mile run. You know, it's not, not a big deal, right? Well, it is now. <laughs> it didn't used to be. 
I run the first loop, and I, I left my phone at home, and I, I pick it up because I, I hadn't, you know, to see, you know, I was like, oh, I was kind of kind of slow. I, I was probably running like a 10-minute mile or something. Pick it up, it's a 14-minute mile. So no matter, see, I, I was still deluded. Like, the thing is, no matter, you know, I may want, I may think, oh, I can get back into shape. And maybe after, you know, maybe I can. But the problem is, is then in a few years, I won't be in shape anymore. See, we think we have autonomy over ourselves. We think, well, if I really want to do this, I can do it. And sometimes we can, but eventually what happens? We break down. We, we come face to face with the fact that we do not have control. We do not even have authority over ourselves, over our own bodies. They break down. And one of the reasons that... Um, or one of the ways I should say that we come face to face with the truth that we don't have authority is often when we are sick or suffering, when things are out of our control. That's when we run to Jesus. That's why the leper, he knew, he tried everything. He went to every person. He did everything he could, but he, he couldn't heal himself. And even if we were to transport that leper to today, and we're like, oh, now we have medicine, so now we can control things, can we? So yeah, maybe he's healed of his leprosy for a few years, but then he gets hit with cancer, or then he gets hit with dementia, or, but eventually, even if he's healed from all of those things, he dies. We all die. None of us have authority over the day of our death. And a part of the kingdom is recognizing that. And, but th that recognition isn't meant to break you in a sense of, no, like, it's hopeless. That recognition is meant for you to run to the hope that is Jesus Christ, that he came to save us. He came to rewrite our stories on, uh, yes, in heaven, so that one day every, every sickness, every tear will be wiped away. But even now, he's also, he's also has authority on earth now so that he can break into our world and change it even now. The other thing I want to point out about this centurion is that he didn't run to Jesus for himself. He ran to Jesus for somebody else. And so, you know, I hope that you're here and your life is good. I mean, right now, my life is good. I've got, I've got abundance of, of, of so many things. I've got health, even if I can't run so quick anymore. Uh, but I, I'm healthy. Uh, you know, I've got so much abundance. And I hope that's the case with you, too. But my guess is that even if you're good, you have a loved one who really needs Jesus to come and change their story. Well, the centurion, he's an example. He does that. And Jesus changes their story because that's the thing is Jesus, it's not just me and Jesus. He has authority over my life. No, he has authority over all. He is king of the world. So we can go to him with confidence and say, yeah, Jesus, it's not me. I don't need healing, but my friend does. He needs your touch. He needs you to rewrite his story. Or I have this loved one who's in a difficult spot. Lord, would you enter their lives and rewrite their story? Because, and then 
that, that final section, I'm not going to read that, but uh, Jesus, he also heals, he heals Peter's uh, mother-in-law, and she has a fever, and maybe she tried more cowbell. That didn't work. Nothing worked. And, um, but Jesus comes, and he heals her. But these, that's just, and then he says, in that evening, all sorts of people are coming. All sorts of people are coming, and Jesus, he has authority over the supernatural. So those who are demon-possessed, he frees them from, the, from those demons. And this is all to fulfill what God said in the prophet Isaiah in verse 17. It says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Jesus his coming is in line with God's big story, that one day he would send this savior. One day he would uh, send his servant who would break down any barriers that would keep us from God's kingdom, sin, uh, sickness, all of those things. He ha would have authority over all of those things, both in heaven and on earth. He has the authority to lower the gates into the kingdom, to rewrite our stories but again, it's not just that he has authority in heaven. He also has authority on earth. So the question I have for us today is, who is the authority in your life? And again, we might say, well, I am. But again, we don't even know about tomorrow. We don't even have authority over tomorrow. Only God can rewrite our stories. And some of you, you've had your story rewritten. Re re I'm having trouble saying that word today. And you know, we're after service today, we're having a testimony workshop, and, and what that's doing is, is it's really saying, all right, God has rewritten my story. And, and if you're a Christian, a part of that is there was a time where you realized, I want to put my life under the authority of God. That I'm, I've tried living my life under my own authority, and it's not working very well. So I put my life under God's authority, under the authority of Jesus, and that authority actually freed me. See, when we hear those words, oh, put your life under authority, does that mean you're Jesus' slave and servant? And, well, kind of, but it's more like that you're, he, he's your loving father. So that you say, I, I don't, like, when I entrust myself with my own life, I become a slave to myself, to my selfish desires, a slave to sin, a slave to my whims, a, a slave to my feelings, but when I put myself under God's authority, that's where I find the freedom of the one who knows, the freedom from the one who has authority over all earth, and I can trust him. Because I think that's where we do it. And if you're struggling with that right now, if you're saying, mm, I, I, I understand intellectually that God is the authority. If there is a God, then yeah, he has authority over all things. I get that, but... Can I trust him? Can I trust him? First question I have for you is, well, can you trust yourself? Not really. So that's the alternative. 
But the thing is, is God, he has shown his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that when we come to God and we give our life under his authority, we're going to someone who has died for us. Someone who said that, yes, you have, you've sinned against me. Yes, there should be all of these barriers between me and you, but I've taken those and I've removed them with a self-sacrificial love. So that even when we don't understand why, and some things we won't, it's above our pay grade. If you ask me, Pastor Joe, why those 20, over 20,000 people in Turkey and Syria that died, and there's a few who miraculously lived. Pastor Joe, why did those few live and all of those die? I have no idea. That's above my pay grade. I have no authority over them. I have no knowledge. And so there are some things, when you place your, uh, your life under someone's authority like that, under God's authority, that doesn't mean all of a sudden you have all the answers. But it does mean, or, or I should say, the reason that we can do that is that, all right, I can trust someone who would die for me. That even when I don't understand, it's not an authority of a grudging, yeah, well, he's God, so I have to submit. It's, wait, Jesus gave his life for me in an ultimate display of love. I want him to be the authority in my life. I want him to be the authority in my life because he is loving. So, during this, uh, this time, as we think about how to apply these verses, God is prompting some of, some of us here today where you're tired. You're tired of the sickness. You're tired of the conflict. You're, you're tired of trying to provide and yet you don't have those financial resources. You're tired. God has authority. Go to him. As the leper ran to Jesus, run to God and say, God, if you're willing, you can rewrite this. So to do that, you can talk to God wherever you're at. But I also invite you to, we're going to have a prayer team. There's me and Ingrid are going to be in front and Kenny and someone else are going to be in the back for, for prayer. Because sometimes you might be thinking, you know, I have, I've talked to God so many times. I've asked God about this time and time again, and he hasn't, you know, he hasn't done anything. And I don't know why, but I know sometimes when uh, we go to God again and again and, and we're just tired, that's when you can ask somebody else. Will you, will you step with me towards God? I, I don't even know what to pray anymore, but I do know I want God's authority over this situation. I want God to rewrite this situation. We'll come forward for prayer. We'll pray with you. Or maybe it's somebody else. Maybe there's somebody in your life that 
You need God, you, you want God to rewrite their story. Lift them up to God. Lift them up to God today. Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, um, I ask that you would move in this place, that you'd work powerfully in our hearts. Lord, we confess that we so much want our own authority in our lives, and when we have it, we mess it up. So I pray, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you'd move about this place, that you would work in our hearts so that we would ask you to rewrite our stories. Lord, there's outcasts here, those who feel like outcasts. But Lord, if they come to you, they're a part of your children in faith, Lord. And there's some, Lord, who want their story rewritten. You know exactly who those folks are, Lord. So I pray that you'd work in our hearts, draw us close to you, God. Cause us to run to you and put our lives into your hands. Change our stories, rewrite them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.